Tommy C and welcome to More Than A Game. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the bell so you're informed of any of our upcoming streams. If you're a listener to the podcast edition of the show, please send us a review on whatever podcast platform it is that you listen to. Um, We really appreciate the feedback, good, bad or indifferent. This week on the show, we tune into El Clasico because Fulham v Palace sounded dire. Uh, Newcastle Jets doomed. We'll discuss the latest in the club seemingly unravelling before our eyes. How many weeks can I keep West Ham at the top of the run sheet? Find out shortly. (laughs) George joins us from London to discuss Chelsea's German sports car and what Frank the Mechanic needs to do to get it purring again. And Colby also joins us as well to to talk us through Liverpool and how they went without Big Verge this week against Damo's Sheffield United. Um, I'm joined by, like I said, Colby and Damo. Gents, how are you doing this week? Damo. Damo. Where's Damo, Tommy? <laughs> Just got Damo Damo's the watching the NRL grand final, boys. <laughs> taking taking care of taking care of young Percy on the one hand and um you know work on the other and uh, football on the other. He's, he's one of the great multitaskers, our, our Damo. But... <laughs> Colby, how are you? I'm oh, look, I'm well, mate. Um yeah, he referenced it the in the uh in the little <laughs> grab there, Tommy. Liverpool made tough work of Sheffield this morning. We'll, we'll get more onto that later, but I I am doing all right. Damon's here as well. He's he's doing four <laughs> things at once. What a man. What a man. Unbelievable. And George, Is mate, how are you? Man how are you? No, I'm good, boys. I'm good. I, I, as as I mentioned to you before the show, we're halfway through our fourteen day uh, self isolation period as we were travelling in Italy last week. So can't complain too much, given we we spent a you know ten days in Sicily, but um, you know doing the hard yards yeah, in London here. After, after our six months, pretty much of, of lockdown, <laughs> I have zero sympathy for you, George. <laughs> yeah, yeah. George, Look. did you did you say ten days, George? Because Instagram made it seem like twenty. <laughs> Look, I can't <laughs> confirm or deny what Andy put on his Instagram because I, I don't look, I don't want to know. <laughs> it's going to be turned back Thursdays, like every second day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, what's caught your attention, Colby? Oh, this week, Tommy, uh, the uh, Erling Haaland goal against Schalke uh, on the weekend uh, stood out to me. Um, the was, man, was this, in man's... The, this was in one of the derbies, isn't it? I can't remember what this one's called. Yeah, but... I don't know what this derby's called. Um, some Coalfields derby or, or something like that. Um, it's probably, but it's probably like 30, 30 characters long and it's one word. I know. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I don't I don't follow the Bundesliga. Of course, we're all aware of Haaland, and, and we've all seen his highlights. Um, but you know, I'm not watching him week in week out. But um, th- this little goal it was a little one-two he had with uh, Jaden Sancho. Uh, the weight on the pass, by the way, from Sancho was just inch perfect. A little one-two. Uh, Haaland runs into the box, and then he's, he's running full full steam at the keeper, and just has the class to just dink it over him. It was just an absolutely delicious goal. Oof. Very nice. We got, I, I got another. I got a, a goal this week as uh, for my uh, for my moment of the week as well. So we, we haven't done that for a little while with uh, with using goals as their moment of the week. It's been too much other stuff going on. Yeah, I know. Um, George, what about you, mate? What's what's caught your eye? 
Oh, it's 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 a couple of things. We'll probably touch on them today. But uh, Patrick Bamford getting a hat trick. Uh, it, it, yeah, exactly. Uh, the the is, is he the top scorer in the Premier League now? He's got to be probably pretty close. So I think he's pretty, one behind um, Calvert Lewin. There you go. There you go. So who would have thought Calvert Lewin and uh, Bamford would be uh, leading the scorers charts in the Premier League? But Bamford actually hitting a hat trick and a, and a pretty decent one at that um, for Leeds. Uh, uh, on Friday night was was pretty impressive given, you know, no one thought he could cut the mustard in the Premier League and, and he hasn't shown any um any people thought he couldn't probably cut the mustard in the championship. So and he <laughs> and he's and he's banging goals in. So it, it just goes to show um, you know, Bielsa's faith is is, is paying off. How, and how many goals is he gonna finish the season with boys? Probably what five, uh Colby, probably five. <laughs> <laughs> well he's on you six, got, so are you guys – oh, yeah, okay, my bad, my bad. Are you guys convinced with him or, or not? Well, go, Colby. For me, the, the jury's the jury's still out. Mate. I, I think, Tommy, you may, you, you may have been planning to cover this in the relevant game, but we, we, here we are. But uh, the, the jury's still out for, for me on, on Bamford. He, he could end up being the next Pookie or he could end up being the next Vardy. We don't know. Uh, you know, both both of those guys being, you know, guys that sort of come into the Premier League in their, you know, after their mid-20s. Late, um, bloomers. And, uh, late, late bloomers. Late bloomers, uh, <laughs> as we like to say. But, yeah, it's, um, you know, time will tell uh, which which he turns out to be. Yeah, I think either way, I think everyone's just enjoying the ride at the moment. My, I've got a, a slight theory as well, which I've just come up with on the spot here, boys. Um <laughs> It might it might have to do with some of the uh, lack lack of crowds, um, you know, creating a, a bit of a lack lack of sort of pressure on him. So because you you often saw in the big games he he went missing in the past and and you know the crowd used to get on him. So it might be might be a you know a, a thing a thing to watch out for when people come back into stadiums. And you always hear with those kind of players, don't you, when they're not scoring in the games, like all of their teammates and their coach are just like, yeah, he's banging them in in training. And, then, you know, now without the uh, without the crowds, it's must must feel like a bit of a training game out there sometimes and they can just be free to uh, express themselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that expression, people <laughs> expressing themselves on a football field. I just don't get it. Yeah, let them express themselves. Let the boys play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, boys. Uh, like I said uh, earlier, my my moment of the week is a, is a goal as well. Um, this one uh, comes from the Europa League. Um, sorry, Johnny. It's uh, it's some more Rangers chat though. Um, and this one's Kamar Kamar Roof, who I've got to admit I'd never heard of before. Um, apparently, I think he used to maybe play in in uh, the English lower leagues or something like that. But um, anyway, he definitely showed. High ceiling, this player. Yeah, <laughs> he um. Oh, well done, Colby. It took me a little while to get that, <laughs> which um, it's good because I probably could have uh, just completely missed it altogether. I think on on, on a bad day. <laughs> but uh, look, uh, came our roof. Yeah, he, like he got the ball um, sort of halfway through, like his own uh, his own half, and he's dinked past a couple of players, pretty much about, um on the halfway line now, um near uh, near the touchline. And he's uh, pretty much done a Beckham, and he's he's chipped the goalkeeper from, yeah, like 45, 50 yards or, or whatever it is. It was, it was pretty spectacular, and I guess because uh, it wasn't like Beckham, I think it was against Palace um, back in the the nineties when he, he's received the ball under no pressure. Um, in in this one, he, he's actually under pressure, and he he pretty much gets his head up, 
sees the keeper off his line and goes bang. And but it's it's an absolute ripper of goal. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend you check it out. Rangers no. versus standardly age in the in the Europa League. Ninety third minute as well, Tommy. So he still had a bit of juice left in the tank. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, already, boys. Uh, that was the good stuff. Now, what haven't you liked this weekend, though, Colby? Oh, look, boys. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Bamford. Um, oh, hang on. We brought him up. Uh, my my own goal uh, also goes to to Patrick Bamford this week for that Z celebration. So I was I, I was a bit perplexed when I when I saw this and I saw all of the um all of the like pre prepared photos of him flashing up the the Z symbol with his hands. And I think a lot of people on Twitter thought this was some kind of a reference to Birmingham City's, um, like they had some notorious Zulu Warriors hooligan film um, and were getting <laughs> stuck into him for that. And I was sitting here, meanwhile, thinking it was a reference to the early 2000s cult stoner film, Dude, Where's My Car, uh, to, the, to the Zoltan cult in that film. But actually, it's, uh, it's a reference to this, um, like, Eco shoe company called Hilo Athletics. Uh, and oh. he's confirmed, uh, Pat Bamford's come out and confirmed it on his Instagram saying, This is the bolt. So the Z, it's the bolt. Um, it's a symbol for our planet, a force for nature. And at the center of Hilo Athletics' mission, it's using sport to inspire positive change, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes on for like a full paragraph about this. Um, to be fair, it, I had a look at it. It looks like a small little startup with a pretty genuine environmental message. But on a scale of commercial project to meaningful social change, it smells a bit more like Tripodil Timmy than school lunches ration to me. <laughs> what, happened to the, what happened to the old um, T-shirt under the uh, under the jersey? Doesn't Get cut the mustard anymore. The fashion way, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was thinking exactly of Tripodil as you were talking about this, so I'm glad that got a mention, Colby. <laughs> uh, what about you, George? What didn't you like this week? Um. It's a, it's more of a general one, but it it, it started ticking me off during the uh, Champions League um, game, uh, the Man U PSG game, where um, Kalon Navas saved a penalty and they they brought it back because um, he was an inch off his line. Now, this is like I understand like the the rationale behind the rule, and it, and it and it's just it's it's pretty unfair to goalkeepers to to be an inch off your line and then have the penalty retaken. Like, is there any way in the world? someone's going to miss a penalty now, really, unless, like, the, the odds are so much far stacked in the striker's favour. Like, you may as well, well just give him a goal. It's not a battle at all, is it? No. The other thing about that, boys, is, um, you know, they they get they they always take it back when the keeper saves it and he's an inch off his line. But what about when he's an inch off his line and it goes in? If, you, if I'm the keeper, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Exactly. If <laughs> you see him putting it in the top corner, you just charge out, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. In, in NFL, they they call that like icing the icing the kicker. <laughs> um, George, what were you going to say? <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 really pissing me off. Actually, I, I think they it's re, it's really stacked in the in the, in the favor of the forward. Which you know, okay, because it's a penalty. I understand the rationale behind favoring the the team that's earned it, but it, it's really really. I'd I'd love to see the odds of penalty misses be penalty scored at the end of this season or something when and how many have been retaken and, and the like because yeah it, it, it's really stuck in the strikers favor and I, and I feel bad for goalkeepers yeah it's um it's just a it's another one of those things that sort of uh, football as football is evolving it's it's something that we're not really enjoying about the the new football that we're seeing is it along with uh, I guess we'll along with VAR and the like 
Um, anyway, for, for me, my uh, own goal this week, uh, i got a few, but I think we'll come back to Newcastle in a, in a little bit. Um, and I'm going to have to to use uh, the registration or deregistration of, uh, of Ozil and Czech as my own goal. So uh, Ozil, it's been well documented that he's having some problems at, at Arsenal and pretty much can't get a game and they also can't find him somewhere else to go. Um, and this week they deregistered him from the Premier League, so he's definitely not going to be playing this uh, this season for for Arsenal, which um, is a bit sad. It means no one really wins out of that. The club continue to pay mega mega bucks in wages. Um, what, what has and, he done? What as like what, what does he know? <laughs> what I mean, I, 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 if I don't get some, I mean maybe I mean Sal's in the chat. Maybe Sal can let us know. But uh, being an Arsenal fan, but. I want to know what he's actually done because all I can think of in the recent um, sort of in recent history is his defense of the Uyghur Muslims being persecuted in China. Um, like, you know, might've had a falling out with Emery, but then Arteta comes in, Arteta's playing him for, you know, plays him a couple of times. It looks like he might be coming back into the team and now he's out again. Is this, is this coming from above Arteta's head? I almost wondered if it was uh, that they, they made a promise that he would, um, that he wouldn't be playing and they've basically called his bluff to say, well, you're not going to be playing. So, um, you, you need to leave. And he said, well, well, I'm not leaving. And they said, well, we're going to deregister you then. And he just stuck around. That That's what it smells like to me. Uh, unless it is like you say, Colby, that he, um, it, it is just completely political. I think it's, I mean, a, it's, a, it like- it's a political and a money thing as well. Like, I mean, Surely. it's Arsenal's fault for, overpaying you and giving him a, a, a whopping contract, which, you know, lasts for four or five years or whatever it did. And he's fallen out of favour with uh, Emery and he wasn't playing. And then Arteta's given him a go and he obviously doesn't fit into the Arteta plan. So they've, they've obviously asked him to leave. He's he, he's, he's not going to leave unless he gets a full payout, essentially. So they've sort of had a bit of an impasse. Um, but, I mean, from that perspective, it's a bit similar to what happened with Bale at Real Madrid, right? But, yeah. I and mean, Sanchez at United. Yeah, exactly. But I guess they, they found places to go. And I guess maybe um, like uh, the fact that Uzzel's always been a bit of a luxury player, he's um, he's a sort of a, a, a number 10 that sort of strolls around the pitch a little bit. And he's not quite um, in the same mold as, as Sanchez or or, um, or Bale. And it seems like he there, there isn't really a, a place for him, literally or figuratively, now in football. Yeah, I, I think... Man, you were willing to pay Sanchez that one year when he went to Inter. So Real Madrid weren't, were, were almost, well, Bale stayed an extra season and didn't play a full season. So it's, it's yeah. similar. Eventually, eventually they're going to have to cut their losses Arsenal. If they keep, it's just, it's ridiculous how they can keep paying him when they clearly don't want him at the club. So they're going to have and to. From a, go on, sorry, go on. George, from a fan perspective, I mean, just a fan of the game. I'm not an Arsenal fan, but I mean, you know, we all remember what Ozil did to Australia in 2010 and, and you know, how yeah, he was. I was there. Really Maybe pretty much cry. <laughs> yeah, for years and years uh, since then, you know, he was, he was regarded as one of the best midfielders pretty much playing. Uh, and, you know, even even in Ozil at whatever age he is now and however many games he's got in his legs and, you know, however um, deep his form slump is, like, uh, it's just, it's, I mean, I know they're hamstrung by the money and obviously that that's what it is and there's this impasse that, w- you know, we don't know all the details of. But, like, just crazy that um, someone that good can, you know, be not playing football. I mean, as, as Sal's just pointed out, he, he has done something good this season, saving um, Gunnosaurus. So I think that's that's worth mentioning. Although he's using 
he's using money Arsenal paid him to save Conosaurus. <laughs> it's a bit, bit circular. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Um, for those for listeners at home, uh, Sal said uh, it's, it's above his head. The board have it out for him because he didn't want to leave. Uh, but he also blames Cronky, um, who I think is the CEO or the owner. I can't remember which owner, one. Owner, owner. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also says uh, it's because he saved Gunnosaurus. And uh, last but not least, Damo says it's because he's just shit at football. And and just just also to the listeners <laughs> who might who might be catching this on the the podcast version, we're obviously recording this on on YouTube live streaming it. So we've got a we've got a live chat going, and um, we usually post the link to the uh, YouTube live if you ever want to if you ever want to get around the show and, and get around the, the the chat as well. There's there's usually um, you know at least some action going on there. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, um, that's uh, probably enough Ozil chat. Um, Jack also got, a, I guess, got a bit of a mention as well because, and I guess, maybe similar energy maybe to to Kepa. Maybe we're about to see that um, uh, rear its head in the in twelve months' time. Um, but Jack's been re-registered, um, so Jack can play. I can't remember what um, what status his contract is, but he's basically like a um, he, he's been. I think he's already a coach at the club, but he's um, he's now eligible to play if if by a chance they're they're three. Uh, three fit goalkeepers all get injured. So um, that could be real 2020 energy for three of Chelsea's goalkeepers to get injured and their goalkeeper coach, a former player, um, to, to need to, to don the don the jersey again. Apparently, Tommy's been training the house down. So you, there's, there's been some footage of him uh, down on the training park and, and uh, he's, he's looked pretty impressive. And he's actually younger than Willie Caballero. So <laughs> there you go. You can, yeah. you can save a puck, you can save a ball. <laughs> Oh dear. All right. Um, let's move on now, though. I've uh, got a couple of things before we get into the Premier League. Um, first up, uh, I mentioned in the in the top about Newcastle Jets and how that's just a bit of a mess at the moment. Obviously, um, uh, last week we discussed about uh, Robinson, uh, Carl Robinson, how he left the club and has gone to Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, in the aftermath of that, you've had two pretty senior players. Um, Yugarkovic, who's been there for quite a while, and uh, Bernie Abini, uh, both of them have come out in the last uh, 48 hours and said that they want to leave the club. Uh, Yugarkovic has been there for uh, at least five years, I, I think. Um, but Bernie Abini's only been there, I think, for 12 months or less than 12 months. Um, Yugarkovic has said he didn't want to become a, a part of another rebuild at the club, which... I mean, you can kind of understand um, that his unwillingness to to go through all of that again. Um, but Abini's only just really joined the club, and and he said that um, well, it was Robinson that brought him to the club, and he's the only reason he's there. And if if Robinson's not there, he doesn't want to be there. So um, now in the in the hours leading up to to the pod. Um, the two have actually been released. I don't know if they're going to be joining Western Sydney Wanderers now or if they'll go to Perth or maybe elsewhere. Um, but obviously, they're two pretty senior um, players at uh, the Jets that are going to be moving on or have moved on um, already. So, um, boys, what, what are your thoughts about, uh, I guess, the the Jets? There's, there's no money there at the moment. And um, really, I guess it's, it's a pretty dire situation there at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, Tommy, I, I just think everybody in this situation, like I, I don't blame any anybody who's in this situation. Everybody's acting like exactly as you'd expect them to. I, you know, don't blame Yugarkovic and Abini for wanting out, um, you know, given the situation at the club and the, and um, Carl Robertson sort of coming and going. 
Um, McKinna, apparently, you know, before this like breaking news that uh, they've been released, was reportedly digging his heels in, saying, you know, I want to stem the tide of all these players leaving. Don't blame him for trying to at least trying to hold firm to a few of the contracts. And and owners, like you said, Tommy, they're, they're just super hard to come by uh, in the A-League. And, and a, a large part of that is because, like, these clubs are just hemorrhaging money. Like, how can you make any money? So I guess that gets you to the place where you say that the, the, um, the, the, one of the biggest things they can do to fix this is just bring in transfer fees. Like, the sooner they can do that, the sooner these clubs can start recouping money for players whose contracts they have to to breach to to move on and and the sooner these clubs can become viable that's just one of the key sort of pillars to all of that yeah it's, yeah, a, it's a real shit show and, and it reminds me of when um tinkler left the, the jets and the, the same sort of thing was going on and they couldn't find a someone to take over and it's just history repeating itself so exactly right like this is this is all stemming from the the issues i guess with the owners at the moment is that and that's that's why robinson's left and i mean like like you say colby i think you you said it really well uh summarized it really well at the top saying that everyone's acting just as as you would really expect they're all looking after their own interests and um i guess if there's one person uh, besides the fans who i feel most sorry for and that's laurie mckenna i mean He's, he's been sort of keeping things together there for the last 18 months and I think doing a pretty solid job. He engages with the fans a hell of a lot uh, and does a pretty solid job, I think, um, all, all things considered. But, I mean, it, it's just tough when you're fighting an uphill battle. Uh, in some cases, uh, I guess here, it probably feels like a bit of a losing battle as well. Yeah, that's right. I don't I don't think – I was reading a bit more about it and it sounds like um, when the um, when the sort of – new league when the transfer to the independent a league uh you know is formalized and which i think is going to happen in the next like couple of months um the, the clubs will basically stand behind the jets and um you know irrespective of of what's happening with their owner situation they're not going to let let them collapse but you know we'll, we'll see what that looks like in in you know the next six months which is basically all the time that the jets have to organize an owner and all the time the the independent league has to get its shit together essentially it's an interesting um, off-season because you've got the the MacArthur Bulls coming in. You've still got the Mariners who haven't been sold. You've now got the Jets in a similar position. You've got the potential of the, the pandemic as well. So maybe no fans in certain states or, or depending on how it all works. And, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be losing even more money. So it will we'll be yeah. a tough one. It's not a good time to be trying to attract a new owner, that's for certain. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on from the A-League, though, um, George, I know you and I, we were uh, paying attention to the to the El Clasico overnight, Colby. I'm, I'm not sure if you watched it or not, but um, or caught up with the highlights at least. But um, it was a it was a weird uh, El Clasico. No fans there, obviously. Um, the 3, p- but- 3, 3 p.m. kickoff as well in, in, uh, in Europe. So it was, it was interesting that they, they put that as their sort of first game on a Saturday. It's so, pretty early, isn't it? Like yeah. normally, like they would do quite later kickoffs. It would normally be a, a night game, so I think that that was odd in terms of scheduling. And the, and the other thing was, Tommy, before you get started, is mm. Barcelona's the age of Barcelona's starting lineup. Yeah, well, I mean, I know that at least you had uh, Fatty. I think there were uh, three three teenagers. So you had yeah. Antoine Fatty, uh, Serginio Dest, and who's the other one? Pedri. Pedri on the wing. So like. In, it, Cast your mind back. I, I don't know when you would have seen a, a Classico game with with two, with three teenagers starting. It's it's pretty incredible. 
Well, and then you had Vinicius Jr. and uh, Valverde and a couple other young players for Real Madrid as well, uh, right? So, so these are these are very much two teams that are, um, I guess, doing a bit of a rebuild at the moment, and that it's exciting because I guess we're seeing sort of that next generation of stars um, sort of rearing their heads uh, as well. I think uh, Rodrigo, uh, he he came on as a sub as well for Real Madrid. Madrid I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's still he's he's still a teenager as well. Yeah, so. I think he's nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, Real Madrid took out this one, was 3-1. Um, it was a pretty close game, I guess, at least in the first half with uh, Valverde scoring first uh, for Real Madrid and then Enzo Fati scoring not long after that. Um, it wasn't until after half time that um, Real Madrid broke the deadlock, though, uh, through a Sergio Ramos penalty, um, who uh, he actually won himself as well. Um, boys, you're shaking your head. Did he ever? Did he ever? <laughs> I, I was going to put this as my own goal, but I, it was just too obvious. Yeah. Uh, this this was unreal, right? Like uh, he, um, f- for those who didn't see the penalty or the or the highlights of this, um, I'm pretty sure it was PK that was marking Ramos at a corner, and there's a as you would expect a little bit of argy bargy, and they're sort of grappling a little bit, and uh, the ball goes over Ramos's head. There's no way he's going to get anywhere near it, I think. Uh, and then after that, Ramos throws himself to the ground in the opposite direction of which he'd been previously moving. Um, referee doesn't give uh, doesn't give the penalty straight away, but gets uh, the, the heads up in his ear, go and look at the monitor, goes and has a look at the monitor, and I'm thinking, oh, this isn't good, but sure, he can't give it though. Yeah. Um, but, yep, true to form, referee gives the yellow card for PK and gives Ramos the penalty. Um, just True to form, he drills it. And after, after he after he drills it as well, he celebrates like he scored in a World Cup final, goes and knee slides and then gets up and points to the name on the back of the shirt and just gives it large as if there's just a huge crowd there as well. It's just the strangest, most cringiest thing you, you, you've probably seen all weekend. It should, it should have been an own goal because it was just ridiculous. There's some people that really like Ramos, right? Because, I mean, he's a, he's a proven winner and he's a competitor and he's a leader and all that sort of stuff. But moments like this just make him so unlikable for the neutral, I think. I, I like him because I, I think he, he always seems to do something in a big game and get them over the line. It doesn't matter what. Like, it was one all. Like, that he's a game changer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's a game changer. I mean, but I think the, power, the powers that he uses to do that uh, are sometimes a bit nefarious. He's, he's, got, oh, yeah. he's, got big, he's got big Matt Simon vibes. Like, <laughs> just put him on and just watch, watch the destruction. Yeah, yeah. But I think it, ultimately, uh, Tommy, I, had, I think we were texting at the time, but like I said, uh, the referee's gone to look at the screen. At least that's good. Like he'll have, he'll have some um, common sense and realise that the, he, was, he, was, he was watching the game live, so he knew Ramos was nowhere near the ball. So, you know, he's going to watch it on the screen. It'll reconfirm his original position, which was no penalty. So it, it was a bit of a bizarre one. And if you've been watching La Liga well, since, since, um, since the restart, um, there's, a, there's at least a penalty every game. Like, and it, there's always a, a strange VAR decision every single game. You can you you take it to the bank, there'll be a penalty. So, um, so I was like pretty much well, every league, like the A League, was like that as well, right? Yeah, it, it's more it's more A League than Premier League at the moment, and, and it, it's just bizarre. <laughs> it is just bizarre, and and um, so something I never thought we'd say about the about La Liga is that it's more A League areas <laughs> than Premier League areas right now. Yeah, I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I did catch up with this game just on the highlights, boys, but the thing that really stood out to me was that Modric goal. I know it was the third Ooh. goal in the game, but oh my goodness, he's folded up Neto like a deck chair in a strong Adriatic sea breeze. It's just 
He just kept, kept putting him on his ass, didn't he, and just waiting and waiting. Yeah, and he was just waiting. And the man's out here cautious pausing like he's a Dan Andrews presser. Just liking the limelight. So, boys, on, on this game then, who, who do you think's the, the best young talent? Who do you think was the best young talent or is the best young talent or will be? Uh, I tell you what, like there and there was plenty of uh, young talent on show, um, but in terms of the best <laughs> – the, in terms of the best, <laughs> what? In terms of the best performance, though, I thought uh, Serginio Dest. I thought he was unreal. Um, didn't make any mistakes and just like did not look like a player who was playing in his first El Clasico. Yeah, but he can't do keepy uppies, Tommy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter. He's a fullback. <laughs> I think it, as we were talking about earlier, I think it will be interesting when there's uh, you know if if you if you bring a full crowd in. Um, and see how some of the guys uh, respond um, in that environment. But I think Ansu Fadi's going to be the best, and he's like he's he's got he's got the next Mbappe written all over him. Yeah, agree with that, George. He's got a high high ceiling. Indeed. Yeah. So um, the other thing I thought that um, sort of stood out for me in this game was um, I, I guess the um, some of the the more senior players that they were they were very much fading lights, not just in the match. And um, you, it's really a reminder that some of these players are heading towards sort of the twilight of their career. Probably the biggest one was Busquets. I thought he was he was pretty poor, and um, I mean physically he was never particularly quick. But geez, uh, he he looks like a player who's who's pretty much on his last legs, and um, I'm sure he can probably still do it against uh, I don't know the likes of Granada or, or something like that. But in in big games like this, um, I think the the game is maybe starting to move past him, which is. I guess a little bit sad, but obviously he's, he's one of the greatest at what he does, but still sad. Yeah, Dion was starting to take over, I think, and really grow into that role. And and and, and I will give it up for the um, one of the original snakes, Courtois. Just he, he looks <laughs> like he's he looks like he's at the moment the world's the world's best goalkeeper because he's he settled he in some... there, hasn't he? Yeah. Mate, that was exactly what one of the what uh, one of the commentators said. That right now they think he is uh, Courtois. Courtois is the best goalkeeper in the world, and I mean, I, I'd been on the beers for a couple of hours prior to that already, and I still went, "What?" Oh no! Well, <laughs> he he was he was actually huge in their title run that when the restart happened. So he and 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 then it, he's, it looks like he's he's continued on. So it's probably out of him and Kepa in in my book. Oh. What for the world's best, <laughs> George? Yeah. You, you no saw the piston last night as well, mate. Podcast, George, you're not going to sell Kepa by uh, by passing <laughs> him up on, on more than a game. <laughs> oh, I'm trying my best, Colts. Trying my best. Oh shit! Alrighty, boys, uh, let's kick on. Uh, we're half an hour in, and we haven't talked to any Premier League yet, though. So it's it's probably time. Um, it's time to finally talk some West Ham. So come on, boys. Um, Look, uh, as I said in the the top, um, I have managed to to find another week where we can talk about West Ham first up. Um, West Ham hosted uh, Man City, uh, got a very uh, tidy one uh, one all result, I should say. I'm just having a shocker this week. Can't use my words. Um, but uh, another another point for for West Ham um, in a game where really they wouldn't have expected anything. Uh, I think from memory the. Um, West Ham in their last uh, in the last five years, the, the aggregate um, uh, score is like twenty one one or twenty twenty one two now uh, after last night. So um, shows you how grim this um, match has been over the last couple of years. Um, boys, uh, where, where should we start with this? Should we start with West Ham or should we start with with Man City? 
let's start with the hammers um, and, and and give give credit to the the, the big man up front, Kel Antonio. What what a finish! What what a goal indeed. Um, look, he's um that I think that makes it now. I've got a stat for you. This um this is eleven goals in his past uh, thirteen Premier League games. That's including the four against Norwich uh, since Premier League restart. Um, only Kane has more, and he he just keeps on doing the business, which is. Um, it's ridiculous. Like he's he's made a bit of a fool out of me because I mean I, I haven't really ever rated Antonio. Like he he's good at what he does, but it's such a very slither, narrow slither of actual good things that he does. But he's he's shown that he can play as a big man up front by himself, and he's doing and Tommy, it extremely he, well. He's scoring all different types of goals as well. Like he, he can get them with his head, he can get them on, on a you know, running counter. And now, and now he's scoring sort of bicycle kicks or how you want to call that one. So, Boys, we're talking about late bloomers before. Mikel Antonio's 30. Um, you know, before he's played like sort of 20 to 30 games a season and only scoring in the single digits. Last last season he got uh, 10 goals, three assists. This season he's got six, uh, three and six. Um, you know, is he a bit of a late bloomer? You know, that's that's a, not a bad shout. If, if there's one other thing that I want to point out, I remember I think it was last week or the week before we were talking about Calvert-Lewin and we're saying how under Koeman he played as a as a wing back. Um, and I, I, I want to point out that um, Antonio also played as a wing back under under Slavin Bilic as well. So maybe maybe that's the secret if you want to become uh, what the next big thing up front um, for for a Premier League club, you've you've got to play as a as a wing back before you can start banging in the goals. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Damo just one, one other one other parallel there. He's, he he cut his teeth in non-league football as well. That's a good one, Damo. So I, wasn't I, Harry I think, Kane a, a fullback at one point? Didn't he? Hasn't he done his uh, done his done his time there? A little stint. Well, he might he might with Mourinho one game. Bale, so. Bale certainly <laughs> did. Yeah, Bale started out as a fullback, but um, yeah, but the the you have to be worried about him going off with an injury at halftime, Tommy. And I thought that really stunted West Ham's attacks. Yeah, we West Ham really struggled to to get out after that. And although City couldn't really, um, I guess, put them to the sword after that, um, it, it was always pretty nervous. I, I guess for that final thirty minutes with no Antonio on the field, there, there was no way out. And I think they put Bowen up front by himself. They did before Haller came on, which was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you had um, you had Bowen up front by himself, and then I think they put on Yarmolenko uh, on the yeah. right, which just didn't work at all. Um, I, I think um, Yarmolenko is going to show um, his quality um, later on uh, against maybe some of the some of the um, the lesser teams, um, but but I think against those bigger teams, when you you need that mobility and defensive solidity, I, I think Yarmolenko is not the man for the job at the moment. Um, but uh, look, I guess if the the, the big um, controversy out of this game seemed to be uh, associated with Antonio's goal and not Antonio's part uh, in it, it was Suchek's part in it. Um, boys, uh, this seems this one seems to really have split opinion and, and genuinely split opinion. I think there's it's it's a pretty fifty fifty at the moment about whether or not people think uh, this actually was a handball by Suchek or not. Um, what's your take on it, Colby? Uh, not a handball for me. George, yeah, what about I, you, mate? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm really like. I, I don't. It's sort of opening up a can of worms. Like going back and looking whether there was a handball yeah. in, in the build-up. So I don't like it. And and it, 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 if it's not obvious, then you've got to give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker. Yeah, it's. Um, 
it's a funny one because uh, there's been some instances in the in the last um, year. I think there was one with West Ham against I think it might have been Sheffield United where um, there was a late equaliser and it, and it did involve a, a handball and it got uh, called back by VAR. Um, but in in this one, I actually don't think it's a handball, and I, I think that there were other far bigger uh, refereeing errors that were made or, or things that were missed in the game, which um, are, are nowhere near or much much bigger issues than than this one. So um, Owen Hargraves in the in the post match, he he was convinced that this was a, a handball and should have been brought back, and that it's an absolute clangor. And what's VAR for if they're they're not picking up things like this? But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a really interesting one. This because, um, like I said, I'm I'm convinced that it's not a handball, but there's plenty of people out there that are that are convinced. I think Ian Wright as well. He was convinced that it was a handball as well. Um, I mentioned uh, just prior about how there was a couple of clangers that I think that were missed. Boys, what did you think about uh, Garcia's tackle on Antonio? I thought that was fine. Actually, I thought that was fine. Thought thought it was all all good. Colby. Didn't, didn't see this one, boys. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry. So for the uh, for the <laughs> listeners at home, and it's interesting. Like I, I think this was the probably the the big um, issue in the in the game. Um, interesting that George doesn't think it was a penalty, but um, essentially Antonio's uh, through on goal, and um, uh, Eric Garcia, the the city centre back, he tries to um, tries to tackle Antonio, uh, slides in, gets a, a little niggle on the ball, but um, it's it's also after. I think, uh, after um, he takes out Antonio's leg. So, um, yeah, he does get like a fine slither of the ball, but um, not a hell of a lot for me. Um, the other one was, uh, and, and City are now famous for, for the uh, the tactical foul, um, and there was one where um, Declan Rice was running uh, um, uh, pretty much at halfway with the ball, um, running at the the city defence, and uh, Gunawan pretty much just gets a, a full handful of his shirt and he's pulling him back. Um, Rice be- beats the tackle if it was ru- if it was rugby league, and um, and the referee never comes back to uh, to book Gunawan. Um, I think it was about thirty five minutes in at that point, um, but yeah, it's it. That's one that I think really frustrates a lot of people with City is that tactical foul, um, and not just the tactical foul itself. That's that's hard to watch, but um, when players aren't getting punished for for these tactical fouls, it, it, it just makes your blood boil, or at least makes my blood boil. Um, fair, fair. They, they have been punishing him of late, so it was odd that that one went sort of went without. Yeah, and like the referee, he did uh, he, he did the symbol to, to show that it was an there was an advantage for for the attacking team. Yeah. It was good that it, that it probably wasn't saved, called. probably saved him because it, it went on for too long. Exactly, yeah, and I mean, not long after that, sort of the the play did break down, and then then City had their own chance to attack, and so there wasn't actually a break in the match for probably two or three more minutes after that, maybe even a little bit longer. Um, and and so I I actually just think the referee just forgot. To, to give him a yellow card. Uh, because and that, and that's where but, maybe a video assistant referee can help, but who knows? Who knows you, if that'll you, ever work? You would think so, right? But apparently not. Shall, shall we get on to City, Tommy? Yeah, mate. It's probably about that time, huh? <laughs> so we um, exhausted our West Ham chat for the, uh, for the week. <laughs> we went deep in West Ham. There, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just lap, lap this up while West Ham are getting results, Tommy. We're not going to indulge you in this much West Ham chat in the future. 
I know. I know. I'm well aware. Just had to put an end to it. Just had to put an end to it. Look, City City were pretty poor in that first half, um, but there was there was one clear standout player for me in that first half, and it was Cancelo, um, and he he actually uh, turned provider in the second half, setting up uh, Phil Foden, who came on at halftime um, and provided City with a way back into the game and equaliser. Um, Phil Foden, he he really changed the game for City though, but uh, obviously being such a such a young player, he probably didn't really didn't quite have the experience to be able to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and 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 really I guess make it make it City's in the second half and, and allow them to get the win. Um, but boys, what, what did you think of I guess City's performance in the second half? Maybe maybe that's a, a better way to keep going. Well, I felt well, bad I that sorry, I, I just thought. Let me go on, George. Um, it, two things, obviously. I think I still think they need Aguero there, and him going off with an injury it changes the way they attack. So mm-hmm. they were they were able to sort of peg back a goal, but I, I was never confident that they were going to score. And it was looked like it was one of those Sterling games where he was always getting on the edge of the box and just trying to trying to score, and it never sort of came off. So I think they without Aguero they they sort of still lack that focal point up front. Cole. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more, George. And and uh, Tommy's got a list of City injuries in the notes. Laporte, Ake, Fernandinho, Mendy, Gabby Jesus, and now Aguero with a fresh injury. I mean, you know, we talk about Pep fraud, but, like, I mean, just get some players that can stay on the on the park and, and you'll, you'll probably be right. Like, And, and um, a, lot, a lot of those are centre-backs, boys. So it's, it's yeah. going to be uh, interesting to see who's going to play in the back line for City. Maybe they'll just play attacking midfielders there. <laughs> that that would be real pep areas, wouldn't it? Um, uh, boys, a uh, question from from Woodsy. Um, he wants to know: Can City's title run recover from this poor run of form? Yes, but it just depends on those injuries as well. But I mean, I mean, boys, I, I think they're six... all like short term, short term. Yeah, yeah, they're not. They're apart not. from Aguero, yeah, and Jesus. The, the other thing to just keep in mind i know people like to get excited early in the season but with six match days in it's normally sort of after about 10 or so where you really get a good sense of where the where the table's going so you know the the league table can look quite funny um before the it does look very funny at the moment colby just look at the top of you so um you know i just advise everybody getting excited just to to chill out a bit, and also there was an international break two, three weeks into the slot, three, three or four games in, or whatever it was. So that that probably killed a little bit of the um, continuity some teams were looking for as well. So that's true. In fact, I think we talked about it on the pod about how poor uh, the timing was for for that um, international break and how stupid it was. But uh, I think there'd be a lot was of it, people that have. Yeah, I think it was Je- Jesse had. A, I think Jesse had a good rant, didn't he? Yeah, I think it might have been Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, let's keep moving though. Uh, next up, uh, Aston Villa hosted Leeds. Uh, Aston Villa at this point were, if not top of the table, they were second. Um, but look, it, it didn't all go rosy for uh, for Villa um, and Leeds pretty much came and spoiled the party. We've already talked about Patrick Bamford, Bamford or, or Hattrick Bamford um, as he's now known. And um, boys, what was your pick of the goals? I think the, 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 the was it the second one where he sort of took it from outside or on the edge of the box and, and I think it took a slight nick off one of the defenders but um but and then, then he drilled that in because the first one was a tap in off Rodrigo's uh, cross yeah. uh, across the box shot off the, and the keeper that carried third, it. The one was quite nice as well. Yeah, yeah, um, no, yeah, so that, that was just cool. Very well taken. 
The, the third one, the third one was good, but that that second one uh, for me that had a little bit of Honor uh, Junior energy about it with the <laughs> uh, the the little um, little swivel the hips on uh, on the edge of the box against Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and the, and the little, little back lift. Calm, <laughs> calm. Colby's just got to be seat here for those that see on a podcast. Don't, just... uh, they don't take uh, Ballon d'Or nominations uh, <laughs> six weeks into the season, boys. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just thought um, on the game, I just thought Aston Villa just couldn't couldn't get Grealish involved enough, really. Like um, Barkley was trying, and you know, as he does, pegging shots from all around the around the around the park, but they just couldn't get couldn't get the ball in um, uh, in uh, Grealish's feet enough. So I thought that that sort of you know, and there wasn't there wasn't a, a moment where they I think I think it was one nil or or nil all where where Villa had a, a massive chance and. Um, uh, I can never pronounce the Leeds goalkeeper's name. Boys, can you help me? Mezier? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Mezier made a big save and then, you know, Leeds took it down the other end and, and scored. So, and I think that, that's... How old of... is their goalkeeper, by the way? He looks like he's about 15. Yeah. He barely, barely fills out the goal and he's just diving around, making all of these really acrobatic saves. He sort of reminds me of that kid, that 16-year-old kid who had like those couple of good games for Wellington Phoenix <laughs> a couple of years ago. <laughs> And he was like giving, Wasn't that Louis Fenton? To... Yeah. <laughs> this is getting <laughs> this is getting too niche. But I, I don't think sixteen-year-old keeper and he was giving lip to everyone. This kid looks yeah. exactly like him. <laughs> well, he made a couple of big saves and, and Leeb's got the win. But I, I don't think Villa were. Um, yeah, I think it could have gone um, either way at that point. And and, and a sneaky um, deadline day signing for Villa, Bertrand Traore from um, mm. from Lyon. He was Feels starting right. in champ. Champions League games last year, and and uh, he was obviously ex, an ex Chelsea sort of youth loan, loan uh, one of the loan brigade, the loan army. Hmm. But he was he was yeah he was playing for Leon in the Champions League last year, and, and they've got him and he's sitting on the bench. So I think he'll he'll work his way into into their starting lineup. But um, just what, uh, yeah yeah, we're yeah talking ex Chelsea George like Ross Barkley. I know you mentioned him before, but I thought he was supposed to blow up. What happened? I mean. Can, can we not play him two games in a row? Is his body just, you know, does it does it stop working after one game? What, what's going on? <laughs> oh, the, the big problem with Ross Barkley is consistency. So I don't think he's, he's – it's really unusual for him to play two games in a row. So, you know we'll, – What we'll, do you mean? We'll, he's he's consistently inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's, <laughs> that's right. Well, Damo's just said Villa, Villa were dire, and, 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 and I think that's a little bit harsh, but I think they just needed to get the ball to Grealish a lot more. And and, yeah. and and they just couldn't cope in the end with, with Leeds as press and running. Yeah, I do wonder if the game turns out differently if, if Villa do take one of those chances that they had sort of early on. I think they had a couple of decent chances um, in the first sort of 20 or 30 minutes, um, particularly that one where Grealish pretty much like runs the length of the field. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think if Villa take one of those chances, I think maybe the, the mentality is a little bit different and they're they're thinking about maintaining a lead rather than um I guess that that just Chasing. really intense battle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um boys is the is the villa bubble burst then? I'm I'm saying no boys. I'm saying that let's not let's not hit the panic stations just yet. And and they're they're obviously probably still in the top four as we speak now or, or thereabouts. So I think I think they're they're gonna be okay. Colby? Based on what I've seen so far, I think they'll be okay as well. I know probably most of us picked them to get relegated at the at the um, start of the season when we did our preview. But, uh, yeah, look, I don't think they're going to win the league or, you know, even finish in the Champions League spot. But, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's time to revise our prediction of them going down, that's for sure. 
Um, I think I think we should we should we should have uh, just to just to sort of chop ourselves out. We should have done a, a we did our we did our predictions pre transfer window closure. So I think I think that the, would have the, changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> just giving us an out, boys. Far out. <laughs> Um, but just just before we move on from this game, I just wanted to say a word about um, young Jamie Shackleton for Leeds. Uh, came on after the uh, after Bielsa hooked the other defensive midfielder who was filling in for Calvin Phillips. Um, hooked him after twenty five or so minutes, and this young Brutal. kid Jamie Jamie Shackleton comes on like he must think, oh, I'm not even a shot at getting a game, and um, does it does a fantastic job. So looked very sharp. Looked very yeah. Sharp. Looked very good. So this is one of those weird moments where um, – so Jamie Sackleton's a player that I've signed on Football Manager on multiple occasions and, and retrained him as like a right fullback. And it's really bizarre because I feel like I had this personal connection with this this player, yet I've never, ever seen him play before. You think but, he was um, playing that position, Tommy? Well, there you yeah. go. <laughs> but I tell you what, I, I thought he, he had a really good game as well. And my goodness, he got he gets around the pitch. And I think he's only like five foot five or something from memory, but geez, he motors. Uh, it was a couple of a couple of occasions when, like, yeah, uh, leads were leads were counter attacking, and like they do get bodies into the box uh, at the end of these counter attacks, and and they're they're literally sprinting 50, 60 meters, and my goodness, they must just be completely gassed at the end of every game. Um, but anyway, all right, um, let's keep moving on, shall we? Uh, next up, Chelsea, uh, George's Chelsea uh, went to Manchester United in what I'm labelling the the good vibes, no plan derby. Um, but really, it turned into, I guess, the uh, the highlightless derby. This um, wasn't one for the ages, unfortunately. Um, and even Lampard and Ole both conceded that this wasn't a classic. Um, in my opinion, the the two best chances of the game probably fell to Rashford um, and. Mendy um, turned out to be equal to the task on both occasions. Um, probably two saves that Kepper wouldn't have made. <laughs> um, boys, uh, who do you think is happiest with with this result? George Chelsea. Yeah, I think I think Frank will. He he just he's just he would be inside just loving clean sheets. Like he just I don't think he's had he, he's two in a, two in a week. It's unbelievable. So. Against decent opposition, severe and and man, you. So, I, I get that Chelsea did absolutely nothing on the attacking end. Completely get that. That it was. Were this we was probably see, like six three every game for Chelsea this season. George, what's going on? We we, 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 were, we were well. Cast your mind back to last week. It was three all against Southampton. So you, you get Frank's had <laughs> it's enough. It's all or nothing. Frank's, it's all or nothing. Frank's, Frank's had, giving you everything. He's had enough of it. He's had enough of it. So I think. I think we we sort of almost played a, a back five really, and and, and so, same as against Sevilla, and and um, the defense looked pretty pretty solid. At Thiago Silva, it was a, they Manu I think played a little bit into Thiago Silva's hands. It was a bit, and the weather probably helped as well. It was you know wasn't the fastest game. Um, uh, you know we defended deep and and mending Thiago Silva as we quit out. It looked it looked very solid at the back. Um, which is not something you'd ever say about Chelsea. So I think Frank would be happier. That's that's uh, the short answer. But I guess does it mean then that there's that there is either like full full attack or like full defence for for Frank's Chelsea? At this stage, yes. <laughs> Fair so, enough. Uh, no balanced look, setting. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no balance. No balance. No middle ground. No middle ground. Uh, look, Rory wants to ask: uh, When will Lampard get the sack? 
Colby, I'll go to you first. Well, I mean, I'm conflicted about this question. I genuinely <laughs> am because, you know, know, knowing Chelsea as, as we do being fans of the Premier League, um, you know, the, their owners uh, aren't exactly patient. Abramovich is, is not exactly patient when it comes to results from managers. But you just somehow feel that it's sort of different with Frank and, and in this context of COVID, I think, as well helps Frank's longevity and, you know, clubs maybe might want to think twice about, um, you know, shaking things up as they would in normal times. So I think I think at this stage that he's, he's seeing the season through. I think he's definitely going to um, – I think it might have been one of my um, – what are we calling it? Like uh, you, your odd shout or your – yeah, odd, like crazy prediction or, or whatever it was. I can't Bold remember what it's called now. Yeah. Bold prediction. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Your crazy shout. Yeah, that one won't stick. Um, but I think mine was that uh, Lampard or Ole would get sacked in uh, in January. And I, I think um, now I think that is probably going to be uh, too bold. And I think Lampard will at least last until the end of the season. But uh, I guess the, the expectation is that if you're spending the amount of money that Chelsea just did in the transfer window, the expectation is that you're um, if, if you're not winning the Premier League, you're going damn bloody close. And uh, I think um, Chelsea quite a ways off of being damn close to winning the Premier League this season. Um, one, uh, one key incident, though, that um, did come out of this one it was another penalty shout um, like we've had in a couple of the other matches overnight. Um, this one was uh, Maguire doing his best Hulk Hogan impersonation on uh, Azpilicueta. Was, uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did everyone just think that this should have been a penalty, including probably Maguire? Yeah, choke slammed him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can't do that. It, it's like we were talking about, not not as not as egregious as the Ramos one, but whether Aspuqueta would have got actually got his header on it or not, and and it would have been a scoring chance. You know, you can argue that, but um, yeah, technically it's a foul, and you know, when we're not scoring goals, I'll, I'll take a penalty like that. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Jorginho was on the field; he would have scored. So, but um, nah, you, you can't do that, and and. Maguire's got to be conscious that there's like VAR and cameras and and that sort of thing, so you, you can't get away with that anymore. Yeah, it, it seems like uh, one of those ones that I think you normally you would expect the the on field referee to spot, um, and if they don't see it, you would expect the VAR would bring it back. So it's pretty bizarre, I guess that um, that VAR didn't bring this one back. I think Maguire's um, just a he's just a big kid that like as soon as like the little kids start to run around him just like uses his phys- physicality and lashes out, isn't he? Like just uses his sides to sort of run run through everything because since since he's had been under this big form cloud, he's made some seriously um, seriously yeah. bad errors of, of judgment in, in in these kind of things. Was was this like Hodor and Bran? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Someone's been watching Game of Thrones recently. Yeah, Tommy's Tom, yeah. on a rewatch. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Um, there's, there's been a few Game of Thrones references coming out lately. I know yeah. in the group chat. Um, and then the the other the other things in this game were Cavani nearly scoring with his first touch. Um, he uh, and 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 Thiago Silva making a, a block against him. So he he looks like for a guy that hasn't played competitive football since the 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 legal got got shut down. Um, that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, looked okay, actually. I was surprised. Yeah, he he looked pretty sharp in his movement, and like obviously he was only on I think the pitch for about twenty five minutes, but uh, I guess it was some encouraging signs there. I thought for for um, Man United though, and and Cavani um, mentioned. Um, what, what else was I going to say? Sorry, um, uh, uh, Johnny Vanderbeek. 
Oh, yeah. So um, this was really weird. I don't think uh, Vanderbeck even got on the pitch. Yeah, um, Which, like, Pog was not exactly setting the world alight at the moment. And maybe um, Ole's well, trying Pog to... Pog came, came on it. Uh, he he on. did, yeah. Yeah. Um, but but he he still didn't play particularly well. Like he, he didn't play badly as as he can, as he has maybe recently. But um, this seemed like the kind of game where you would think that if if you're not trying to play Pogba into form, you, you're throwing Donny on so that you can maybe get something out of the game. But it just didn't seem to be what um, what Pogba was was thinking. Sorry, what uh, Ole was thinking, right? It seems isn't Pogba it, it, supposed it, to be the guy who's who's changing the game? Well, it, it, it seems. Yeah. It seems a bit odd to you because you've, you've got if you're going to play you know McTominay and Fred, then you're going to you can only play Bruno Fernandez or Pogba. So that means Van der Beek's behind those two, um, and uh, yeah, he's not he's not he's not going to get a game because Pogba was on the bench. So Ollie's going to throw Pogba on. He's not going to throw Van der Beek on. Uh, yeah, right. I guess that's a good point. Is like I guess the the should have really hit the fan in the news if he if he brings on Donny and not Pogba, right? Um, but uh, Ever in the post match was um, was talking about this and and pretty much saying like well, what was the point in buying Donny then like you you paid close to forty million pounds to to bring this guy in from Ajax and and, and the Donny like uh, Vanderbeek he's a gun right like he's shown that he can do it for, for Ajax and he was he was killing it in the in the Champions League last season like what's the point like what are what are Manchester United doing they bought him because they could. That's all. It's just one a classic Man U signing. He was he was available. They didn't think about where he'd fit in their team, and they just <laughs> bought him. Classic career mode. It gets to the last <laughs> day of the deadline. You still get a cool forty million sitting in the bank. You don't really need any more players, but you just think, oh, why not? Like no, they do need players, but they just bought another a, a midfielder that they didn't need. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a strange one. And unless like unless it was like well, Ollie's like well, we're playing against a decent side. I'm, I'm not going to have you know. Two or three attacking midfielders in. Uh, I want to be more solid at the back, but we'll we'll see whether he actually gets games when when they're playing against lesser opposition. But yeah, it doesn't look good for him. What um well, right, what sort of occurs to me, I guess, even is that um, I know last season Pogba had a whole bunch of injury issues, and you, you almost wonder at this point if the best thing for Manchester United at this point is if Pogba actually gets injured so that there's no pressure to play him. Yeah, it would, it, would, it, would, it would take the uh, decision out of Ole's hands, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. It takes the temptation away that, oh, yeah, may, oh. maybe I will start Pogba. <laughs> but what about, like, what about before the uh, re- or restart, like last season, boys? It was it was all about Pogba and uh, Bruno. Bruno, and we were just talking about how good they were together and they could be the best midfield combination who has ever lived and ever walked <laughs> the earth. And Yeah. What's, what happened to that? Yeah, good question. Don't think, don't think it was ever going to actually turn out to be reality, though, was it? <laughs> Look, I think yeah, it, it was a bit weird that yeah, it was a big game and he went more. Def- I guess he went more defensive in it in this sort of game, but I think I think for the most part he'll play Pogba and Bruno and McTominay or Matic or or because that seems like the way he's gone with it. But um, yeah, that did seem like a- it, still, it still leaves no room for Van der Beek again, as we sort of said. So it's odd. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, move on, uh, though, fellas. Uh, Liverpool uh, hosted Sheffield United uh, in in probably the the last interesting game of the evening, though. Um, 
it was a pretty wild start to the game with uh, Ramsdale coming out and basically trying to close down Mane early on, um, but it didn't really come to anything. And uh, and Mane uh, had, Mane had a shot cleared off the line. Um, Lundstrom then about thirty seconds later was uh, leaving one in on on Salah and probably not what uh, Liverpool would be wanting to seeing after having Allison out for a couple of weeks and uh, and Virgil Van Dijk out for for quite a while as well. Last thing they want is is Salah taking a big injury as well. Um, and then uh, Trent he was trying to chip uh, Ramsdale from halfway and that was all in the first two minutes. Um, Colby, did the the rest of the game turn out to be as exciting as that or? No, it didn't, but it turned out uh, to be tough work. Liverpool made it look really tough. Um, Jesse often refers back to, you know, the the, the pre-Virgil, pre-Allison days of watching. The Liverpool dark days. And, and then being a pretty uh, nervous watch. And uh, look, I think, I don't know if we're back, we're fully back to those days because obviously Allison was was rushed back. I don't know what they had to do to him to get him back so quick, but... <laughs> Um, it was, was probably a pin cushion. Of, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what, what's going on in his body, what, what he's being held together by, but whatever. Um, but you know, we're not quite back to. I'm not quite back to shooting myself every time an opposition player gets at, at the top of the 18 yard box. But you know, we're, we're a nervous watch again. Um, got away with a tough win, I think. Um, Sheffield had lots of good chances, um, but couldn't couldn't quite um, find the final pass. Damo's just popped up in the chat and said. All caps, Sheffield United back on their bullshit. So Damo's still recovering <laughs> from this morning's watch. Um, look, I, th- I actually think this game could have been a draw or a Sheffield United win. They were they were that vital pass away. They're creating a lot, but it, you know, just that one uh, creative pass away from from a goal. And I also thought Liverpool's pressing game was a little bit off. I was surprised to see how well Sheffield were playing through Liverpool's press for large portions of this game. Um, and then we is, had is, all the VAR drama as well. So, Colby, is that because um, uh, Liverpool played, I guess, their their new big four up front instead of uh, just the the big three? We had Jota playing as well as uh, Firmino, Mane, and Salah. Or, I don't know or, where Jota was playing. He was just going wherever he wanted. <laughs> He's in the free like, role. Oh, I'm, I'm not playing up the front, but I, I'm not really playing in midfield. So oh, <laughs> he was just like. It was him and him and um, uh, Brewster for Sheffield were just like just wandering around the pitch for half of the game. But I mean, then Jota goes and scores the uh, the match winner. So you know, and well taken goal it was. But for one part of the game, I just thought, what are these? This may as well be ten v ten. These two are just like happy to be here. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and you mentioned uh, or already, uh, I guess, uh, about Jota, Jota's winner. But um, prior to that, Firmino he got a, he helped himself to a, a home goal. It was a bit of a bit of a rarity these days. Um, and also, uh, Fabinho he helped himself to to giving away a penalty as well. Which uh, obviously you mentioned about being a little bit nervous as well, um, Colby. Um, you probably wouldn't want um, your, your standing um, centre back to be giving away penalties. Was um, it a penalty or a free kick? That's oh. my question. I mean, I've watched this so many times post this game. <laughs> now, um, at the t- at the time of watching, I thought it w- I thought Liverpool were pretty hard done by. Was it? A, did he get any of the ball? Um, and you know, what what was the player over the line or not? Dubious, maybe not, maybe. <laughs> but he, he shouldn't like. He he also you know should really be doing that when you're defending someone in the box as well. Just sort of swipe. That's a that's a midfielder's tackle playing as a centre back. Like that's a that's a stop someone on the halfway line tackle, but just he's forgot forgot what part of the pitch he was on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
That's 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 Tommy C defending there, I think. <laughs> oh, look, um, I think from from Sheffield United's perspective, uh, um, like you mentioned before, Colby, that they're, they're playing through the press pretty well, and uh, and I mean they actually scored from the, in this game at least, albeit through a penalty, um, but still they they ended up with nothing out of the game though, and I guess um, you, you really got to make sure that this um that. Sheffield United don't make too much of a habit out of this of playing well and getting nothing from games. I guess I'm not sure if it's a rebalancing from last year where they were getting good results and and probably getting sort of maybe the rub of the green where um, maybe they didn't necessarily uh, deserve all three points. Um, but I, I guess uh, do you think this is a little bit scary times for for Sheffield United? We mentioned earlier about how uh, we haven't played ten games yet, but but still this is these are habit forming weeks. Well, I think they haven't been the same since the, the restart. They, they haven't been picking up the, the points that they were back when the, the Premier League restarted the first time. So they'd be concerned that they're not picking up points in games where they would have last season. Um, but, I, I mean, watching the game, I always got the impression that Liverpool were going to score again. Like, it just seemed like, you know, with Salah, Mane, like they were having chances and it was just a matter of time, I thought. So, uh, and, and, and Damo's questioning whether... Um, the, the fee that Liverpool recouped for Brewster was it was a bit of a steal, so I think it was a bit too, it's a bit too early to judge given he's he's still working his way into Sheffield United system, but I think they'll yeah, yeah that's it. Needed, needed at least ten games to tell yeah. if Brewster's trash or not. Well, well boys, um, you know the the results the results should come for Sheffield. They're they're playing well. They've got a couple of um easy fixtures. They've got City and Chelsea next before um they they have to work their way up to West Ham. So hopefully by that stage they can play themselves into a bit of form. Yeah, um, Kobe, uh, anything else you want to say about uh, Liverpool before we move on though? No, fair enough. Got the three points. Oh wait, you know I do. I lie. I do. I do. That Salah goal. <laughs> That that uh, that Burkamp esque uh, little little touch and uh, goal that was ruled out. My goodness! That I mean, hey. I, I, I was saying yeah. I was saying a demo on the group chat this morning. There should be an exemption for like he, he was Squeeze clearly it. offside. Well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah was it? VAR did the job. He was clearly offside, but he like you should get you should get a free hit for some of those. That was just <laughs> delicious. Yes, yeah, so, so, so just still looking so good. Like he's he's every time he shoots, I think he's going to score. So. Mate, if I got pinged before for for making a reference to Bamford's goal being like uh, Ronaldinho's goal against um against Chelsea in the Champions League a couple of years ago, then you can't make the, a Burkham reference about Salah. Have, have another look at it. Yeah, it was, it was pretty nice. <laughs> to to pretty be nice. fair, I don't, I don't remember the goal so or the disallowed goal. So <laughs> I will I'll go back and have a look later. at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very very nice, and in in those conditions as well to have have a touch like that. Well, eh? well, the ball gets heavier when it's when it's wet. Oh, it? easier! Is it easier, Tommy? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe go check the goal out. Yeah. He controlled it like a he controlled it like a futsal ball. It was like glued to his foot. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kobe needs to take a cold shower. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh... Uh, Fulham hosted Crystal Palace in the final game from last night, though. Um, and Fulham really continued to struggle in what's a very winnable game against Palace. Um, uh, Palace went ahead very early through uh, Redwald, though, uh, and then later consolidated their lead through Zaha. Um, 
this uh this that second goal, um, Zaha's goal though was was one that I'm surprised and actually it doesn't happen more often in football though, um, with Zaha sliding in at the back post and and basically shins colliding with the um with the post and um, I don't know how that doesn't happen more often but it, it looked bloody painful. Um, I I didn't catch if uh, Zaha went off injured or anything like that, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh yeah copping a bruise after that one. Um, I'll tell you who would have injured themselves on, on, on that um, Grealish with those mini shin pads. He would have fucked himself <laughs> up. <laughs> I thought you, you were going to make a reference maybe to, to Andy and how he probably would have missed from that sort of range. <laughs> lovely, lovely. <laughs> nah, all right. Um, yeah, look, good, good probably points, the, more points for Palace. So I think they're, they're well, yeah, pretty, pretty like, solid. Palace just continue to to get points and continue to be good when no one rates them. And another um, loss for Fulham. So yeah, um, in this game, um, boys, Fulham got had sixty four percent of the possession and pretty much couldn't do anything with it for ninety five minutes until um, Tom Kearney ended up um, pulling one out of the bag, and that was a pretty nice goal actually. So, um, but but still, like the the fact that. Fulham couldn't really create a hell of a lot, didn't create a hell of a lot of chances. Uh, I think um, I can't remember who was on the, the post-match, but they were saying that uh, a lot of the service into um, into the Mitrovic was just poor and um, yeah, I guess it, it looks pretty dire, I guess, for, for Fulham. Um, Anab, he wants to know, are Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United primed for relegation er, uh, already uh, or is it early days? George? I think it's looking bad for Fulham. Um and, and and West Brom. I don't know about Sheffield United just yet, but um, I worry about Fulham and West Brom. Do you think? Yeah, uh, do you think either of those two teams could be a shout for for like the the all time like uh, worst um, points total? Or like, are they that bad? This was, or? this was my bold prediction, Tommy. This is what I said in our preview. I, I I predicted West Brom to get that, but at the moment, it's looking more likely to be Fulham. Maybe we could have two teams that that set a new mark. That'd be that'd be really unreal. <laughs> I think yeah. I think Fulham have made a few signings and and they're in, they're integrating like Lookman, Olaina, um, and a couple of others. So maybe maybe there will be a, an improvement um, going forward. But at the moment, yeah, they're they're, they're losing a lot of games. Hmm. Um, I guess we saw last year with um, Daniel Farker at. Uh, Norwich that even though your team might be getting tonked week in week out you're not necessarily um, you, you may not necessarily lose your job um, and I think a lot of us would, would have said that Parker or Billich is likely to be the first one sacked but uh, follow up question for you here boys uh, do you think Pep or uh, Ole or Frank uh, or even Chris Wilder could be in a shout for, for one of the first managers sacked? Pep <laughs> stranger things, stranger things have happened, George. Well, well, you know he's paying he's paying good money to get uh, to get sacked uh, first, so you could throw 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 a few dollars on it. Oh, but uh, on the on the flip side of that, I don't think Parker or Billich are, are probably going to get sacked just because they're just their job is to work with what they've got essentially. So I think it would be it would be a bit tough on them if, despite the results, uh, unless it completely fell apart. Yeah, I think out of either of those two teams, I think um, Billich is the most likely one to, to to stay the course for the whole season, just because they haven't spent any money. So I mean, w- yeah, what yeah. can you expect? But um, and it'd be but, harsh and, on and, Wilder as well if he was to get sacked. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't think that's what he's done with that team. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Um. 
All right, boys. Uh, actually, there was one final thing from that game, which was um, there was also a red card laid on as well with uh, Abubakar um, uh, Kamara. Uh, he got sent off. And what was it? Abubakar Kamara? That's his name? The I think he's like six foot five striker that plays up front for Fulham. We, we really didn't pay much attention to this game, did we? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, but look, yeah, look, uh, really weird one. This one, it, it looked like he got sent off, uh, like treading on the back of his, uh, on, on the back of uh, a full, uh, sorry, a, a Palace player's uh, leg, like on, on like the Achilles. But he seemed to not know a hell of a lot about it, and it didn't look very deliberate. I, I didn't think so. It seemed like a really strange one that he got sent off. Um, Although you do see these types of things happen all the time, and and players don't even get a yellow card or anything like that, so the man's a giant, though he probably couldn't see what was going on on the ground. <laughs> that's that's probably pretty accurate, I reckon. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the summary on that game, though. So um, look, before we wrap up the show, there was a couple of Champions League games that were played midweek. Um, probably the the pick of the results were uh, Lazio doing one over Dortmund. Uh, Lazio got up 3-1. Um, I believe Lazio aren't going particularly well in the league, so uh, for them to to step up in the in the Champions League is pretty good for them. Um, PSG lost uh, 2-1 to Manchester United, and uh, it seemed like Manchester United left everything out on the pitch uh, in Paris. Um, didn't really have uh, much of a show for, for anyone uh, watching overnight in the game against Chelsea, so... That's, I guess, what happened with Man United. Um, we've already talked very briefly already about Chelsea and, and Sevilla and how that uh, finished nil all. Um, George, was this, I, I guess, did you, after watching this game against Sevilla, are you surprised that there was another nil all draw following up? Uh, no, because it was another against another decent team. So I think. Frank sort of had the same, similar, it, it, the game panned out in a similar way where Chelsea looked solid at the back, but they just couldn't get anything going forward. So getting, um, so I think, yeah, Frank's got to work on the actual attacking play now with, with, with our solid base at the back. So, and that might be integrating Zayach into the starting lineup because he's, he moves, he's been moving Pulisic and Havertz around and, and tweaking the midfield. Uh, so I think there, there's got to, and there's got to be something, um, worked on in terms of who's going to play in the front three and who's going to play attacking midfield and then get them actually working on on the field together because there's been too many changes and there's no sort of rhythm going forward. Yeah, it's a good point about the, the their lack of rhythm uh, at the moment. Do you think he, he needed to sort of settle on a bit of a, a first-choice 11 and then just kind of build rhythm from there and then... Uh, yeah, but he couldn't, he couldn't, though. He couldn't because no one... There were so many injuries and people were coming in late and, and that sort of thing. So now everyone's back and fit, then now maybe he can start working on it, yeah. But I guess, like, now we're, what, like a month or six weeks into the season and he's only just now... Now he's starting to be like his his team, I guess, and rather than cho- continuing to choose the players that he he had at his disposal at the beginning of the season, when when some of those players weren't weren't fit, and they were actually getting good results as well. Yeah, I mean, I think he probably could have fallen back a little bit on on last year's team at the start of the season when none of the like when Havertz had been training for four days and he threw him in starting lineup, that sort of thing. That might have not been the best strategy, but. You know, the more games they play in the Premier League and the more games they play together, the better they're going to be. So, I I just, Mm. yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Fair enough. 
Uh, last one I want to mention was uh, Real Madrid losing unexpectedly to Shakhtar, and this was probably the uh, the the result of the round in terms of like the the biggest upset. Um, yeah, pretty pretty wild result uh, for the Ukrainian side there. And then um, in that game had the uh, Real Madrid actually scored Valverde scored in like the last minute to make it three all, um, and and VAR called the goal back because. Uh, it was one of those ones where I think it was after a corner and there were a couple of Real Madrid players standing in front of the goalkeeper, not interfering with play, but as the shot went in, um, it, it clearly blocked the keeper's view and, and, and so they had to call it back. But it was a pretty wild finish. Um, but Real Madrid was so shit in the first half. It was, and half of um, Shakhtar's team were out with COVID pretty much, or I think th- 13 members of their squad or something like that. So Really? I, I didn't hear yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it was a very, it was a, it was a Shakhtar B team and they, they still <laughs> came out and smashed around with really? So there you go. Oh, very good. Um, all right. The the one final thing I want to mention uh, before we before we wrap things up was there are a couple of Australians that were playing in the uh, Europa League and the Champions League as well. Um, you had Tommy Rogic who got on for for Celtic. You had James Holland who uh, got in the Europa League for I think for Lask, the uh, Austrian side, and of course Owen Mobile got on for Mijerland as well um, in the Champions League as well. So um, it's good that we've got a couple of Aussies that are that are playing. I guess at the highest level, um, don't have a lot of Aussies playing uh, in in those top league so the fact that they're playing in Europa League and, and Champions League um, even if they're at sort of maybe tier second tier um, leagues um, the fact that they're still still playing at a good level is good um, there was one bad thing though is that those three players lost by a combined goal aggregate of 10-1 so or, yeah um, or great results for, for the yeah, boys no, not great but I mean at least they're there <laughs> boys other than Matty Ryan is um is that what Mobile sort of our Soccero, who's playing at pretty much the highest level at the moment. I'm, I'm struggling to think of anyone else who's really well at a higher level. Or maybe if you well, count the champ, a couple of guys who are playing in the championship, I don't know. Well, you've got at least Rogic didn't wasn't wasn't Rogic supposed to sign for a Qatar team or something like that? So at least he's yeah. stuck in Scotland, which and he's getting he's back, you know, coming off the bench. So I think that's I think that's better for him than going to Qatar. So I think dire, um, though, like for all the all the Aussies, it's basically like Matty Ryan playing in a in a top league, and that's that's it. I think there's I think Lecky and Borello uh, are in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I'm not Lecky, sure. I think Lecky's back. He uh, a couple of weeks ago he was on the bench, and I think he he played it in the Hertha's first game of the season as well. So I think he's sort of worked his way back in in favour there um, before he got injured. So uh, I I don't I haven't checked on Borello of late, but. So, I have uh, a feeling that Borello got um, loaned out to like the Bundesliga two, okay, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I think it's so probably Matt, Matt Lecky, Cole. So, so Lecky was named on the bench um, overnight for yeah. Hertha against uh, RB Leipzig, um, yeah. and the, the good thing about that is that previously he wasn't even making the bench. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a minor consolation, I guess, because um, yeah. I think he'd, I think he'd fallen out with the club, and the club were trying to get rid of him. But then I think that manager got sacked. Yeah, it was then, it, I think the new came guy. in, and then a new manager came in after Klinsman, and and um, and he wasn't getting a game. And then I think at the start of this season. Uh, he was um, he, he's he's made it back into the, the first team squad, and he did start, I think, in the first game of the season. So before COVID, yeah, so he, he was. Um, I heard him uh, interviewed on on the Fox podcast, I think, and they were like, it, it was like Lecky. It was like he was not giving anything away, but it really sounded like he was in talks at least with with Adelaide to come back to the A League before COVID happened when he was yeah. really out of favour. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But he's turned it around. Yeah, I think he's yeah, in, so- yeah. 
Uh, so you know he he's played a couple of games for uh, for Hertha, and uh, something I didn't realize was that Hertha are in the in Europa League as well. And um, like he's played a he's had a couple of appearances in Europa League as well. So um, so yeah, that's good. That's good too. So there you go. There's your answer. They, There's your yeah. answer. We found <laughs> Very it. Good. Thinking, but we found it. <laughs> All right. Um, that pretty much wraps things up uh, for this week, though. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, obviously, we'll have this uploaded uh, as a podcast in the next 24 hours or so. Um, but in the meantime, though, um, we'll catch up with everyone next week with uh, plenty more Premier League. And uh, I think there's another round of Champions League on this week as well. So um, we'll, plenty more football for us to talk about. Um, but in the meantime, enjoy the football. Mm-hmm.